You are listening to a production of the Toll Network, home of Biting Analysis. This is Moonspeak Phase 2, Episode 29, Behind Frenemy Lines. Uh, this is Sano. And I am Amit. Welcome to Moonspeak Phase 2, your source for weekly uh, Salem Crystal Season 3 discussion and analysis. Uh, I'm supposed to say something else here, aren't I? <laughs> uh, Are we? Yeah, I am. Uh, I, I don't even know. It's okay. Um, this week, we are discussing Salem and Crystal 32, Act 31, Infinity 5, Setsuna, Mayo, uh, I think, is, is it, would that be me or Mayo? Uh, Mayo. Okay, Mayo. Is that of time, by any chance? Or would that be land? Uh, it's of of darkness. Of darkness. Ooh, even better. Um, which kind of leans back on uh, Pluto. That's Pluto's right. kind of Hades. mythological role. Right? Yeah. Okay. Um, which kind of explains Dead Scream, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, by the way, last part of that hyphen Sailor Pluto. So there's your title. Um, <laughs> uh. I really, I really love. One of my favorite Japanese titles for anything is an episode of Digimon Tamers. It's, um, uh, man, the power to save Jerry, Bezel Ebelman's fist, or something like that. Um, it might even be a little bit longer, but it's good stuff. Um, so, uh, let's go ahead and get into our rough demands. Uh, Sona, what rubbed you the wrong way this episode? Um, I'm generally pretty good there was maybe a little too much stock footage used but you know there was so much character work and set up for things that are coming in the story that i can kind of let the amount of stock footage go and that's really kind of all that bothered me okay uh so just all around i'm pretty good fair uh this episode was so tight and everything was so good that i can't actually think of anything um to complain about, <laughs> except for the fact that uh, Professor Tomoe and Mamoru don't look very dissimilar. Um, there's a couple, like, split second, I'm, I have to wonder, wait, who's that? Oh, okay. I see the eye, I see the glasses, I see whatever. Um, but, no big deal. What were some of the things uh, we found especially catching uh, this episode? Kusuke, who we met at the amusement park, gifts Chibiusa a uh, Sailor Moon pen holder as a token of their friendship slash because he likes her slash she's too embarrassed to say it um uh <laughs> and then she promptly decides to give hotaru with the grill she made as a token of their friendship and of course this was related to the teacher uh talking about gifting somebody the the craft that they made but still um i think him definitely offering that to her sparked her uh desire to give the grail to hotaru yeah she definitely it was a really, it was very well made for them being in, like, second grade. Yeah. Um, but that was definitely like, oh, that's a, like, I'm giving this to you as a token of our friendship. Oh, that's a thing I can do? I want to give this to this girl I like then. <laughs> yeah, that was so cool. Um, actually, I think I've seen, like, that pose that Sailor Moon is in on his little pen holder is, like, that's on official merchandise, I'm pretty sure. Oh yeah, that's um kind of a fairly common um kind of logo design within the franchise mm. is kind of the the bust shot of her with the the pigtails going back. Okay. 
there's this really awesome like black and white vinyl sticker that has her in a crescent moon with her hair and it just it looks really cool uh anyway that's not related to the show um except it is uh okay and then my next my next point um hotaru is so sweet uh she won't take the grail but appreciates it so much she really is touched by chibiusa's author uh agreed that was so cute and hotaru is the biggest sweetheart in the universe um i also thought it was really cute that chibiusa didn't want to just give the grail to mamaru because that would be unfair to usagi who also had worked so hard on it I, I thought that was really cute and kind of an aspect of, of Chibiusa that we didn't really see the the first time around with her in the first anime. Yeah. Um, kind of just how much she really does love her mom. <laughs> um, kind of on top of on top of her teasing of Usagi. Right. Um, uh, it's, it's a little more blatant here. Yeah, and it's nice that we're seeing their relationship blossom so much, because, I mean, even from the first episode, there was just that moment where, yeah. uh, well, we talked about it already, but, I mean, there was the yeah. moment, so, like, that's really Like, nice. even, even Usagi kind of reacted to it, she was like, but if I give it to him, that's not fair to you, and she's like, wait, what? You were, <laughs> you, you actually considered my feelings? Uh, and I thought that was pretty, like, I believe her 100%, but that's also just, like, a great, uh... It's a great concept to put in because, like, it just shows how thoughtful she is. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, uh, Megus Kellanite was doing her, uh, you know, water divination thing, and uh, the ominous star field um, now has a fourth star shining brightly. Um, I am sure that the destruction coming alongside the Senshi is actually um, the quiet surging of this power represented by this wandering star. Um, so. I just, I think that's interesting. Uh, let's see, next thing. Uh, so Mak- <laughs> Makoto cutting the Telen plant um, played so much cooler and more dramatically in this show than it really had any right to. And I think that's all thanks to the power of anime. Yeah, that that's definitely, it's, kind, it's hard to achieve uh, that sort of thing in, in live action uh, as opposed to animation. I've seen it done we've watched you know plenty of rider plenty of sentai but a lot of that has a lot of special effects um but it it can be done but it's so much easier uh to kind of get the impact you want uh for that sort of thing in animation and it was it was a good moment Um, okay, my last point for here, uh, Hotaru wanted the legendary silver crystal desperately as something inside of her seemed stirred as she was stricken by her illness. And I want to know, like, is she possessed by Pharaoh 90? Because that kind of makes me think that's what it could be. You, things will happen. (laughs) Um, man, the fashion in this episode. Dang. Everyone was really well-dressed. Like, especially Haruka. Like, that outfit is slick as heck, and it really works for her. Um, It's nice to see her in something more feminine, but that's still very true to her personality and is very kind of tough and abrasive um, in, you know, this leather jacket and this little leather miniskirt. Um, 
Usagi's dress with the the little rabbit on it was also really cute. Chibiusa was dressed cute. Everyone was really well dressed this episode, and I enjoyed it. Um, also, Pluto's entrance was super super cool, and I love her, as everyone knows. Um, and you know, true to who she is, it was in the service of protecting small lady. So I mean, of course, that's what's gonna like wake her up as a guardian, right? Um, her her small child needs needs help. <laughs> uh, I just have to say, I really liked uh, Hotaru's dress outfit thing going on. That was cool. Yes. Um, Again, the, such good fashion in this. And I like uh, I, I like this thing about her, and this is just like a well, like a storytelling thing that Takuchi did, where she's always in black and gray, and like when she's not in her Mugen outfit or uniform she's like in these dark like (laughs) basically uh you know like morning clothes and uh yeah and i mean even when she is she's always wearing like the black tights right yeah that's true um but it's cool because like it adds this different dimension like the way those you know jerk girls pointed it out um like yeah it's something that makes her stick out but also uh you know in a positive way it's like hey there's something going on with this character uh, which works well in a visual medium. Um, yes. <laughs> you know, I, I have three quotable quotes, and I don't know if I really want to say all of them here. Um, but uh, let me see which one do I want to pick up. Uh, I guess I'll go with the sweet one. Um, so, uh, here it goes. Listen, Haruka, we're all Sailor Guardians. Why can't we uh, fight together? Why don't you say anything? And that's Usagi at Haruka's door after chasing her and Michiru down because they ran away from her. Um, and, you know, she she wants them to all work together. And it's cool because I, I rewatched the scene and uh, Michiru's eyes get all uh, glinty and shimmery because she's touched by what Usagi has to say. Yeah, um, I went with a bit of a similar one and it, it was hard not to go with... Uh, uh, Setsuna's little awakening speech, but instead I went with, um, who is that? Someone is suffering, uh, someone very close to us, um, our allies, uh, which is Michiru and Haruka both, as Telu is absorbing, uh, power from the girls and from just people in general who have the Telu plants. Um, because that was just a really big moment of impact for the two of them. And just the their reactions were so visible. Yeah. Yeah, it's, again, the way this slow reveal has been going, uh, they look, you know, antagonistic and tough and uh, hard at first, and then just slowly we get to see more and more into them, and it really changes your perspective on them. Uh, so it's pretty cool. And also, like, once they finally join, it's going to be exciting to see how much will pass they're going to open up on, you know, these Deathbuster people. Uh, Alright, i got questions. Uh, it's time for the Inquisition. Are you prepared, Sono? Yes. Okay, so first question. Uh, Mamoru's powers are so vaguely defined as to be nigh indiscernible. Um, he's basically Sailor Earth, but where do you think his power comes from? He's, you know, almost literally Sailor Earth, but not quite uh, in the fact that, you know, he can't be a Sailor Guardian. Um, he draws power from the Earth, though, in the same way that the girls all do from their planets. But I think because he's not 
he's he was reincarnated from a prince, um, but he wasn't a warrior. He had armies that fought for him, where um, because of that, his powers don't flow quite as naturally as it does with the girls, who were all, you know, actual warriors in the service of a kingdom. And Usagi herself wasn't a warrior, but she's, one, drawing power from literally the greatest source of power in the universe. Um, and two, she was definitely raised by warriors and a warrior queen mother, who was definitely able to fight if she needed to. Because, um, I mean, if you look at the difference between the way Serenity and Neo-Serenity handle threats to their kingdom, Serenity just killed anything uh, that, that kind of came up against her. And she was almost definitely, like, teaching her daughter, this is what you may have to do in the future. Um, so I think part of that is in Usagi, where she's able to fight like that, where I think that's kind of why Mamoru has this lack of cohesion, um, that everyone's drawing powers from their past selves, where his past self didn't quite fight like they did. Um, but I think specifically, like, his sense of Pluto awakening comes directly from the fact that he's aware of, of specifically of Pluto after the last arc. So I think just as it was happening, which is when he gets this moment of, like, I feel something awakening, I think it's just he felt something familiar. Because Chibiusa felt it even before he did, before Pluto had even awoken in Setsuna earlier in the episode. Um, so I think he may, for that, he may have just felt something familiar and was like, what the heck? Okay, that's fair. I don't really have an answer because I was just curious to get your perspective on it. Um... So we shall move on. Uh, I noticed Michiru used the word allies when she and Haruka were sensing Telu's threatening aura. Um, are Haruka and Michiru starting to come around uh, on working with the, I should say, two working with the senshi? Uh, there are a couple of things at play, because again, this is happening kind of as Setsuna's awakening as Pluto. Um, but I'm sure that as this is happening to the two of them, their thoughts immediately jump to Usagi and the other girls. And they're very stricken by this sense that they have allies in danger. And it's very clear that they don't know what's happening or how to handle it, because they have never had allies outside of each other. And I think in this moment, it's dawning on them that not only do they have allies in danger, they have allies at all, and they can't really deny it anymore. Uh, I really think, uh, to go back to the, the thing I quoted, that it's Usagi's entreaty at Haruka's door. Um, like, that really probably clinched it for her and uh, Michiru. No matter what else is going on, no matter how dire their circumstances are, it looks like Haruka and Michiru are going to be, uh, to, to begrudgingly, uh, be there for Usagi and her friends. <laughs> and I, I can just picture them being bitter about it, too, later on. Uh, yeah, oh no, like, something starts happening, they're like, oh god, we have to go do this. <laughs> we had we had these nice dinner plans, and we got all dressed up, and now we gotta go do this. Well, fine. Uh, okay, so, next question is uh, this. Uh, Professor Tomoe implies that he, and possibly Kaori, uh, Kaori, uh, Kalanite, uh, and the rest of the, uh, Deathbusters set are not 
or rather non-defective daimon. He talks about putting eggs in vessels and <laughs> uh, after taking their hosts and uh, producing only defective daimon. So are the Deathbusters? Hmm, I can I can talk. So are the Deathbusters all basically deviled space eggs then? Sad, lonely space chickens hatching from sad, lonely space eggs. Uh, possibly sad, lonely space chickens who were able to hatch without having to incubate in another person first? I don't know. Hmm. I don't remember exactly their backstory. <laughs> um, just calling them eggs just made me think sad, lonely space chickens. <laughs> and uh, I've gotten by on that today. Oh, good. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I... I have no idea. I'm grasping at straws here. Um, so, anyway, maybe frozen chickens, because, well, they're in space, so they would be very cold. Uh, anyway, um, so, uh, big, big question here. Uh, Pluto mentioned incarnation this episode. Uh, Hotaru thought it felt uh, like there was someone else inside of her when she longed for the legendary silver crystal. Usagi struggled to not be taken over by Queen Serenity. What do you think is happening with Hotaru? When when did that bit happen with Usagi? Uh, I think it was in Black. Uh, damn it, with the Malefic Black Crystal, like her hair grew all long, and okay, her eyes so changed we're color. We're referring back to back to that. Yeah. Okay, I was just thinking within this episode, and I just oh, I'm sorry, I, I didn't connect it back to that. Yeah, I'm um, overall overarching thematically, like there's this concept yeah. of okay, yeah. Um, I know exactly what's going on with Hotaru. And I can't really say okay. at the moment, um, but I will. I will say that I am hype uh, for where this is going. Okay. Um. All right. So uh, I wonder if she may be possessed by Pharaoh Ninety, which I mentioned earlier, in some way, or possibly even she could be like the Tyrone Crystal made flesh, and you know the Tyrone Crystal's weakening. She has this mysterious ailment. Maybe they're linked. Um, and I think you have to uh, ask the next question. I will. I will ask the next question. Uh, what do you think triggered Chibi Sailor Moon getting her own moon rod? I think I forget. Uh, sorry. I think I forgot to mention this last week. But the moon rod very suggestively bloomed between Usagi and Mamoru. Uh, and is definitely... Um, Sorry, I'm just remembering when they were fighting uh, Rubius that happened. Um, <laughs> it's so awkward. Anyway, uh, like, it's a definite expression of their love. Um, uh, let's see. Okay, so they built with their own hands what I assume will be a power for Usagi in the, uh, the chalice or, or grail. Um, in a way, Chibiusa is also very responsible for making the grail. She formed the base of it you know, out of clay and then let her parents work on it. But that was all part of her plan to get them to work together. And her plan, you know, formed the uh, grail into its current state. She wanted to give that item forged in love to Hotaru uh, because she cares for her so deeply. And I'm confident that the love blooming in her for Hotaru produced the Chibi Moonrod. Uh, Chibs is also a budding Sailor Guardian in her own right. And is using new incarnations of tools that already exist. She has her own incarnation of Usagi's compact, which she's using Usagi's old henshin call. She's using moon prism power. 
Um, and now she's using a new incarnation of the weapon that Usagi presently has, um, you know, with a very similar attack. I agree strongly that the love she's developing for Hotaru, which is very, very strong, given that they had met all of one time, and Chibiusa <laughs> is jumping through hoops to give her literally the Holy Grail. Um, I, like, that definitely plays a role in, you know, the, the strength that she's ga- the strength and confidence that she's gaining. Um, but she summons the rod specifically in response to Usagi's attack being absorbed. Um, she's like, she's like, Sailor Moon failed. I need to be able to help her. Like, I love my mother. I want to be able to help her when she's defenseless. So she prayed for the strength to protect her and to protect everyone, including Hotaru. Um, Chibs has been full of suppressed power for a couple hundred years now, and I think that now that she's able to use it, um, kind of following those same ideals of love and protection that she's learned from her parents, she's able to draw out that kind of power and summon a weapon, uh, similar to Usagi's. I think that's fair. Um, and I really did like the touch of her, uh, like, stopping in the middle of the battle and praying, and then, boom, here comes the moon rod. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, and I mean, uh, I don't know if we're gonna get the the gags that we got with Pink Sugar Heart Attack uh, in the first series. Um, it didn't always work. Okay. Uh, there, I will hunt down the gif of a time that it failed it, it, because it's hilarious. It didn't happen to you um, when they were fighting a uh, like coffee monster, was it? And she powered it up or something. <laughs> No, okay. um, okay, I found, I found a couple, like, YouTube videos that I can link, but, um, is there just, is there a quick gif of, there we go, there's a good one, um, well, while you're finishing putting that up, I'll ask you a question, but, uh, uh okay, is it accurate to say that the 90s anime had uh, either terrible or very inventive monsters uh, in the different seasons? They ranged from <laughs> something to... Like, some of them were really, really cool. Sorry, I, I'm looking at the gif, and it's uh, several, pretty hilarious. It's a good one. Um, like, there are several that are not great, and a bunch that are very, very good. Um, there was a, an absolute range of monster designs, uh, because again, it it was in a much more monster of the week format, Mm -hmm. um, than Crystal is. So they'd have, they'd pick like themes and some monsters were based on like what the host human liked or they would be put into an object um, you know, like, general. Like a Metaroid? Kind of. Yeah, so similar to a Metaroid, huh. uh, or to the, uh, Ganma and Ghost. Um. Right. And then there are some, you know, that were more like Dopants, uh, or more like the Yummies, um, from Double and O's. Um. Sorry, so far, if, if you're not familiar, we referenced, uh, GoBusters, which is the 30. 5th Super Sentai, is that right? 30, no, 36. 36 Super Sentai, and then a bunch of common Riders. Common Rider Ghost, 
O's yes. double. Um, I think that was it. <laughs> but still, you know, yeah. just so people can go um, along. Just, uh, it's... The Monster of the Week format is very similar, um, and probably a thing that very much comes out of Showa Kamen Rider. Um, I'm not very familiar with other things in the 70s, so I don't know if there was something else that kind of predated that, but... Hmm. Yeah, um, I'm not sure either. But I know Monster of the Week has always been a Kamen Rider thing, um, as far as I can tell since very very early, possibly at the beginning. Right. I don't know my Showa writers that well, uh, so I'm talking out of my butt a little bit. Well, but I'll back you up and say Shocker definitely put out a new monster for Hongo to fight every week. So Yeah, so as, as far as I can tell, um, Kamen Rider is, is the core the core of that. And that kind of weekly hero shows have built on that since then. Uh, be, be they other tokusatsu shows, or things within the magical girl genre, or just in ge- One Punch Man. In general, just hero shows, um, as they've evolved, have kind of played and kept with that concept. For better or for worse. Yeah, as you say, resulting in some great monsters and some terrible ones as well. Some great monsters and some... and, and you know, Mochiroid. <laughs> Refer- referencing GoBusters once again. Um, GoBusters literally, literally produced the same episode twice. Uh, yes, yes, it did. And and it was a waste of everyone's time. <laughs> hey, but we just just so you're all aware of that, I'm still slightly bitter after four I, years. I, I think that's the the one where we got the joke though about Ryuji being a sysadmin though, right? When he was out on his date. Was that Ryoji, was that the sorry. same episode? I thought it was, but maybe I'm wrong. I I don't remember because I hated that episode and it was a waste of time. <laughs> I like I only remember them literally producing the exact same scenes from the Eraseroid episode. <laughs> oh man! Like just the exact same shots of the base team chasing it around, and I'm like, this is the worst idea anyone's ever had. Um. <laughs> This is all relevant because Toei produces all of these shows. Yes. They're produce, they produce Sailor Moon, they're producing Crystal, they produce Super Sentai, they produce Kamen Rider. So this is definitely relevant. That's the through line, um, right? As I, as I grasp at straws to, uh, not sound like I've gone off on a horrible tangent that belongs on tomorrow's recording. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, um, hmm. I don't know. In conclusion, right? Uh, yes. This is a really good episode. It's a lot of setup. Uh, you got little character moments here and there. A um, lot of really good character moments. Uh, a lot of good stuff from Makoto. Yes, yes, definitely. Uh, also, I really, I, because uh, you told me about the joke that the '90s anime made about her senpai. Um, I just really got to chuck a lot of it because she finally gives him a name in yes. this one. But uh, it just um, made me think of oh, senpai, it, senpai, it was, senpai. It was very. Very satisfying to see that joke uh, translated. Um, not well, not really translated. I don't know if that's the right word. I'm having a hard time with words, but just to see that joke again, right? Uh, and you know, of course, her and uh, Minako hanging out—cool stuff. Yeah. Um, 
I was a little bit sad when uh, Telu, Telu, right? Is her name? Yes. Weird name. Uh, like, got all covered in spiky thorns or vines, and I was like, oh, this is so cool. She's going to stay like that freaky thing. And then she turned into a even better monster form. So I just, I want to see monster forms for everybody else now. Yeah, I, I want everyone in everything to just be a crazy monster. Um, I love that. Um, that was one good thing GoBusters did, is uh, the two main villains got to do that, except one of them was horribly, horribly utilized. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I... I'm I'm not I'm not bitter about everything that went wrong with GoBusters. No, not at all. Um. um <laughs> But more more relevant, um, back on the topic of Sailor Moon, um, I don't know if anyone, if you like mobile puzzle games, uh, there is an official Sailor Moon game, uh, Sailor Moon Drops, which is uh, really fun. It kind of goes through a very, very condensed version of the story um, in the fact that no one has reacted to Luna so- thus far. I have all five girls now, and they're, and Luna's just like, here, take this thing and transform, and everyone's just like, okay, why not? Um, but you kind of, there's some strategy involved picking which girl you want to use for a stage, because they all have different uh, special abilities. Uh, there's different, like, win conditions for every level. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, called, so if, called you need, if you need a time drops, killer. Right? Yes. Okay. Uh, if, you, if you need a good time killer. Yeah, I think, uh, I'm gonna have to check that out. I, I know about it, and I just haven't played it, because I have, like, almost no room left on my phone. So. Yeah. Uh, the, the graphics are really cute. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun. Alright, um, well, uh, Sona, we should get out of here, right? Yes. Alright, let's, let's see if we can stick this landing. Um, by the way, uh, go ahead and rate and review us on iTunes to help raise our visibility. That would be nice because, uh, you know, we've been doing Moonspeak for a while and I think we've just been getting better and better. Or at least we've been consciously attempting to improve. Um, so whether you like it or not is, I guess, up to you. But uh, anyway, let us know what you think of the show. Um, don't forget to comment or ask questions. Uh, maybe it's a little awkward because, you know, I don't have all the spoilers. So no one knows everything. Uh, except for what she's forgotten. Um, and forgotten with time because, you know, 20 years will do that to you. Yeah. Uh, less, less than 20 years with this arc, but, right. you know, nonetheless. But, you know, you can always hit us up on Twitter. Feel free to correct me on anything I've gotten wrong because Lord knows I barely know what I'm talking about day to day. Uh... Yes, this is true, but uh, until next time, everybody, farewell. See y'all next week.